American Craftsman Podcast is proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. The West was built by people with strength and great pride in their workmanship. It was a necessity that early settlers of Montana have a strong will, a resilient character, and great determination to tame the rugged landscape while adapting to its dramatic climate. That spirit, made the USA pride in craftsmanship, is alive today, both in how Montana Brand Tools are manufactured and how they perform. Montana Brand Power Tool accessories are manufactured utilizing proprietary, state-of-the-art CNC machining equipment and the highest quality materials available. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist, located in Ronan, Montana. Montana Brand's heritage comes from a long line of innovative power tool accessories. All right, party people, here we are, episode... 32. Yeah, 32. Of the American Craftsman Podcast. You might notice we're <clears throat> snacking on some peanuts. We're hanging out. We've been uh, been sitting down for two hours now. We just got I done know. with our... Um, we're hungry. <laughs> yeah, we just did our first live stream with our Patreon patrons. Um, what we're calling the pre-pricing and... Sorry, pricing and pre-fabrication protocol. So going over the whole process between first contact with a client to the point of, uh, of booking a job with them. Yeah. Ran for two hours. Yeah. And you uh, you may have noticed at the beginning of the podcast, you heard a uh, a new little advertisement. Yeah. For Montana brand tools. So what we did, we got rid of those uh, pre-generated ads. We partnered up with uh, Montana brand tools and we're happy to have them on board. Yeah. We're going to hopefully, not hopefully, I mean, part of what we're going to do is pass on some of this stuff. Yeah, we're going to be giving away some Montana brand stuff to our uh, Patreon patrons. So mm-hmm. we're uh, we're happy to do it. We like their stuff, all made in Montana. Yeah, uh, it's pretty exciting because it's like a a little uh, step for us, you know, as we're starting out here. Yeah, and um, I really wanted to get rid of those uh, pre-generated <laughs> ads. Yeah, I'll say so. Yeah. <laughs> so between eating peanuts here... <laughs> And we'll, saying hi. We'll try to get a podcast in. Yeah. Um, so, what better go with our peanuts than beer of the week? Yeah, yeah. I'm thirsty. Got another local brew this week. Ooh. Right here we have Snack Shack. Ross. Focus. We've had some Ross beer in the past. Yeah, I think this will be our third, maybe third Ross beer. Um, Ross is actually opening a brewery about uh, three blocks from here, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll go visit one day, do a live podcast. Yeah. I don't think it's frozen this week. <laughs> yeah, last week was a bit of a debacle. No, this week it's just cold. Yeah, last week we tried to get it. We tried to outsmart ourselves. We did outsmart ourselves. <laughs> so what we have here is Snack Shack Session IPA. Oh, no, sorry. Meet Me at the Snack Shack, it's called. Session IPA uh, from Ross Beer Company. Sometimes you don't feel like something heavy. Sometimes you just want a snack. So you head on over to the snack shack at the beach or on the boardwalk to grab something to hold you over. 
And this beer will do exactly that and more any day, any time. This session IPA will hit the spot and leave you wanting another one. Complex, crisp, and citrusy. It drinks like a much bigger IPA thanks to our mix of Citra, uh, Matuka, Azuka, and Eldorado hops. Man, hops are getting crazy. I don't even know those ones. Uh, you'll be enjoying this one for a long time to come. So come on down to the shore and meet me at the Snack Shack. Nice. Ross Brewing, Port Monmouth, New Jersey. Wow, they even say Port Monmouth? No, I, I just said that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to you. Here's to you guys. It's a good one. These oh, are yeah. actually uh, leftovers from the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a four pack and had two. Good for you. Yeah. Um, man, beer and peanuts. What a life. Who's got it better than us? Just don't send me to get coffee. <laughs> Who knows what'll happen? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Well, I have the honor of tool of the week this week, and uh, this is a good one. Yeah. So you all know we got the shaper. Uh, I don't know a couple months back, and um, we're gonna be building an exterior door uh, coming up pretty soon. Already kind of started. We brought the wood in at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Been working on uh, figuring everything out and cutting a sample. So we had to build a coping sled to cut the, uh, you know, the copes on a coping stick door. So I got peanut skin all in my mouth. Um, so I use these. The, uh, oh, that's the company that sold us the power feeder calling me back. Uh, zero play miter bar for micro jig. So what this is, it's a two piece you see there. Those are uh, a top and a bottom and they have a wedge. So they interlock together and they actually, it gets wider. Yeah. So you put it, it has a very specific setup. Excuse me. Need a sip of beer. Um, and you get a perfect fit with zero play comes with the screws to attach it to whatever you're making comes with some plans as well. And it comes, so it comes with two uh, of the miter bars and two stops. So it has a stop that goes into the miter slot. So you can set a stop front and back, whatever. It slides really easily too. Yeah, it's made of like a, a glass reinforced nylon or something. It's super hard and super slick. I was pleasantly surprised because I had my doubts. Um, and I didn't know in, until today. I think all of this micro jig stuff is made in the USA. So Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. You know, big supporters, they're, they're, uh, those grip blocks are awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, check them out. The uh, Micro Jig Zero Play Miter Bar. Got it in a two-pack. Awesome. All right, we're going to have to put you on. That's going to be tough. You got the tool of the week. I'm just going to sit here and keep cracking peanuts. I just did it. Oh. You're lucky I'm not reminding you about the gripe of the week. Life is too good to have a gripe of the week. Yeah. What about that mishap you had with the coffee? <laughs> that was the other old guy. Um. <laughs> you don't say. This old guy knows how to run a coffee machine. How to pour a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. Well, 
We got a lot of questions this week. I was joking around this morning. This is like the uh, the period craftsman episode because Freddie hit me with about I don't know a dozen questions. So it's like every other question is a question from Freddie at Period right. Craftsman. Well, who actually has his own podcast called Against the Grain? I believe yeah, should, we should check it out. Yeah, I have listened to it before. Uh, when I was on the plane going to Atlanta, I downloaded a couple and listened oh. to it. But I didn't. I don't think I even realized it was Freddie and Justin. And I'm not. I'm not familiar with the other guy, but there's three. It's three guys. Oh, like what? There was a sh- there was a time we had another guy here. Was there? I know it would. It's hard. It's hard now. <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell. Here's our first question. What finish did you use on the cabinet in the background? He's referring to the uh, the cherry. Oh, that cabinet right there. Yep. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> Believe it or not, waiting on some hinges. We used that Rubio for exterior use. Yeah, so that is, um, it's called Rubio Monocoat Hybrid Wood Protector, and the color is Royal. It's um, a nice, nice uh, golden brown, sort of orangey shellac look almost. Yeah, you know, as as the piece has been sitting here, collecting a bit of sunlight, it, it really... It mellowed out. Yeah. At first, it was a little orangey, I thought. But uh, it's coming to its own. It's it's really a nice finish. Yeah, goes on nice and easy. Uh, buffs out really well. And I think it came out great. We chose the exterior because there's going to be so much water going on in in and around this piece. And the color was right. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't really have a color that looks like this. Uh, this and that. It's called Look Ipe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who named that. Look Ipe, not yeah. Ipe. Look, yeah. Look, look Ipe. Ipe. Yeah. <laughs> it was like between a, those two. Sounds like it was named by somebody who's not a native English speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not someone from Belgium. No. Which is where Rubio is uh, based. So yeah, uh, Rubio Monaco hybrid wood protector. Yeah. Say. So far, it's the first time we used it, and we don't have, like, long-term results on this, but I'd say it's a good finish. Yeah, I'd be curious to, you know, we'll probably wind up doing work in the future for these folks, so it'll be nice to check in and see how it performs under the wet conditions. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it's going to have a font in there, and then the coffee maker, you know, it's going to be steam. They and, have, like, five all. kids, so it's bound to get <laughs> yeah. abused. Yeah. Exactly. He'll slam in the doors. Yeah, I'd like to try the uh, the hybrid wood protector on the door. Yeah. Maybe just a clear. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. All right. So uh, what's your favorite kind of furniture to build, and, and what do you end up building the most? That's from Hey Good Hardwoods on Instagram. Well, personally, I like to build uh, anything that is kind of out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Something unique, something with a very specific purpose and a lot of very specific requirements. Yeah. Makes it for a more interesting build. Yeah. Um, I'll agree with that. I, I <laughs> My favorite kind is usually the kind I'm building at the moment. Yeah. Um, because we tend to always try and incorporate something new every time we get a, an opportunity for a job. 
we'll throw a twist in. We read a book. We saw a picture. We said, hey, let's try and do this. Yeah. Or saw one of you doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And became inspired. We're definitely, you know, inspired by everything around us. That includes other woodworkers. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, things outside of woodworking, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If uh, musicians were only inspired by music, what the hell? We probably wouldn't have very good music. <laughs> That's right. There'd be no no muses. And then what do we end up building the most? We do a lot of built-in sort of cabinetry, I'd say, is, is yeah. a lot of what we do. Um, it's just a common thing that people, you know, seek out a custom builder for. It goes in spurts. Yeah. I remember when uh, flat screen TVs first came out and became affordable. Everybody wanted the wall unit with the... Yeah. <laughs> It was good for business. Yeah. Everybody wanted to do something over the fireplace. So yeah. they needed a mantle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, built-ins. Everybody loves that built-in. Yeah, I don't understand the hang-up with it. I think we... Yeah. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast last week. A little week, bit, yeah. Or if we were just talking about it ourselves. But yeah, the, uh, the hang-up with the built-in. Got to be built-in. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a status thing or... I don't know. People see old homes with built-ins and and they think it's a a requirement, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And most of that stuff in the old homes, it was all site-built. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's the carpenters and their hand saws. (laughs) Well, yeah, because they were actually skilled. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Like when you go down the basement of my house, you could see the back of the panels in the living room where they actually cut... You know, with hand saws and the flathead screws holding the panels in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I I almost uh, saw that uh, next question as uh, as the same question as um, as hay goods, but it's it's yeah. I noticed I didn't put a uh, no, I didn't put a a paragraph right there. That's a Freddie question coming up next. How big and detailed is your contract? That's from Freddie at Period Craftsman. (laughs) Oh, it's big and detailed. Yeah, we don't have a contract per se, but we we send a scope of work letter. It's funny because we were just we just did the live stream about yeah. all this. Um, it is, I guess, in court it would be a legally binding contract. There's uh-huh. no signatures and no witnessing and stuff like that, but um, it protects us and it informs the client, right? Um, and it's simple and casual, and it doesn't get too, um, it doesn't inundate anybody with all these sort of formalities. But it's but it's it's a contract to say the least. Um, it's as thorough as we make it and we make it very thorough. Yeah. Not a lot of big words. It just spells out in every detail what we're doing and what we're building and the time frame, the cost, the, the pictures, pay- everything. Yeah. Holy cow. The schedule of payments it says shop garbage out. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we're not a napkin, uh, kind of guy. We don't pull numbers out and just say, yeah, it'll be twelve thousand uh, dollars. We'll you get. You got a to jar you. to go with that? <laughs> I got this cabinet vision uh, elevation view. <laughs> you want a plan view? I got that. Yeah. You can see the the uppers over top of the base cabinets. I know. Uh, so yeah, we we present full three D renderings. You know, all angles, all dimensions. And then we reiterate all those things. Pictures of any type of hardware or mm-hmm. parts that will be integrated, purchased parts. Right. All specialty hardware is, it's going to come from Bloom. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we, we like to cover all our bases. Oh, yeah. Doesn't take much time. No. We sleep better at night, too. Oh, yeah. I sleep like a baby. <laughs> we got one here from our buddy Tyler. He's a badass rocketeer. Wooden whiskers trading on Instagram. Uh, how often do you use setup pieces for your joinery before you cut the final work? Essentially trial and error practice before you cut a joint. For me, it's almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, if we're making doors, you know, you always have a stick, stick or two of extra. You got to set up your dado. And then you use that same piece to set up your tenon. Yeah. And you I, test fit on, you know. In fact, I'm trying to think of a time I didn't do that. <laughs> Very rarely. I mean, I mean, I don't have that kind of confidence. No, no. And I mean, even people that have been doing this forever. Yeah. And, and also by human the time, error and machine error. Right. By the time we've gotten to that point, we've tracked that piece of wood, you know, three and four steps. That piece of wood's going to match its its partners, its adjoining partner. So it, it's a it's a domino effect if we screw that piece up. Mm hmm. You know, we'll we'll have to probably replace two or three other pieces then. Um, yeah, I I love doing the the test fits and everything like that. I it's just it's just the way we roll. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna hand this next one over to you for a second. I gotta. All right. We uh we just got our power feeder in, guys, and uh, it had a little bit of damage, and I gotta get a picture over to this guy before. All right. Um, this is end um, of the day. This is from Freddie at Period Craftsman on Instagram again. He's asking us, is it worth doing the painting or finishing in-house? Well, painting, no. Not for us because we have, a, you know, like a 900-square-foot shop and there's just no room to, once you start painting, you have to shut everything down. We have to mask off, you know, half the shop and it just consumes the entire, you know, everything in the shop. We can't, we can't do anything else. The other sort of finishing uh, that we do, which is, you know, hand applied oil finishes, oil and wax. Yeah. We do all that stuff here in house and um, we're pretty good at it. And it, it's something that we'll generally do towards the end of the day. Or if um, a project is going to be finished all at once, uh, we'll do it that way. And it's, it doesn't require the same kind of, um, you know, masking and things like that. It's, it's really, especially the stuff we work with, it's all, um, food grade. You, you wouldn't even really need gloves if you didn't want to use them. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, doesn't raise up any kind of, um, bad odor or volatile, chemical that's the other thing with yeah there's zero voc mm -hmm. um the tongue oil we use you can use on a cutting board yeah you know, it's 100 food safe yeah and the, so the time involved in painting it it'll raise the price of a job like if somebody if, if we were going to do a painted job we'd build it out of hard maple mm -hmm. and we'd have to hire a painter which we do um because the, they do it right you know they right we're not painters <laughs> And it's more expensive to have uh, us build a painted piece than it is to have us build something, let's say, from cherry or even a more expensive wood, like white oak is expensive now. 
Yeah, we don't cut any corners on a painted piece. You know, right. some people might use soft maple and they putty everything and bondo it and, yeah. and you know, use use shoddy setups because they, they're going to cover with, with a thick layer of paint. But it's the same exact piece. Not our style. Yeah, yeah you could take it. And instead of the painter coming to paint it, he could just put a clear on it and it would be a... Right. It's presentable then. Right. Yeah. We don't use MDF. Um, so we're not using any engineered products. It's either... Well, I shouldn't say we don't use any engineered products. We may use plywood panels for a painted piece, mm-hmm. but uh, you know nothing that can't be hit with clear yeah. can be as as good as something that would be stained otherwise. Right now, we're not using anything with all these voids and junk like that. Yep. So, yeah, it doesn't pay for us to paint in house at all. No, and you know what? I don't like painting anyway. <laughs> we got one here from uh, one of our patrons, yeah. Alex. On an episode, you mentioned carrying liability insurance. What instances is that for? Well, that's, God forbid, something happens. Uh, you damage something in somebody's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's for work outside the shop. Right. You know, whenever we're delivering something, um, you, you you put a screw into the wall and hit a pipe. Yep. <laughs> it could happen. I mean, you run into these things in or, people's uh, homes. even, you know, the... The freestanding bookcase you built falls over and, mm-hmm. and lands on somebody. Right. And maybe liability insurance isn't the right terminology. I'm not fully up on the verbiage of insurance, but... I think they call it an umbrella policy. Yeah. Um, so it's for those those instances. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed they don't happen, you know. Right. And it's cheap. It's like, what, $1,000 a year for a million dollars coverage or something like that? Um got to be in that ballpark it's somewhere between a thousand and two thousand yeah i know some guys freddie was saying you know he's got a big policy with tools and uh, uh and maybe stuff on the shop and he pays like maybe five or six thousand a year yeah um but you know it depends on if you have employees we don't have any employees and um if we go on eight installs a year <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> we might not leave the shop for months at a time <laughs> I only leave the shop once a week to go to rehearsal. Oh, well, yeah. Like, for, I don't leave the property. Yeah, for business, I mean, we very rarely leave. You know, we, we'll make a site visit and a delivery or install. And <laughs> that's, that's about it. There's only so many jobs we can fit into the year. Oh, yeah. We got another one from Freddie here. All right. What's he say? Have you been saying no to more jobs these days? No, not really. I mean, not any more than usual. Um, I think maybe he's getting that. Has it been so busy with, uh, oh, you know, this COVID boom that we've been turning people away? We've been pretty steady. You know, we're not, we're not really a part of that boom because we're not like really like in that whole renovation kind of yeah. mix. We're more like a specialty kind of yep builder. Um, we say we don't. We don't say no. Um, This is something that we talked about in the live stream, but we vet out a lot of clients before it ever gets to the point of, of, you know, manifesting itself into a potential job. So we don't have to say no to a lot of people. Right. They kind of weed themselves out. I'd I'd agree with that. I like this next one because it's kind of uh, relevant (laughs) to our current situation. This is from St. John Woodworks on Instagram. Any preference in doing residential work versus commercial work? 
If so, why? That's Brian at St. John's. I'll say we've been being approached more and more with commercial work. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you prefer? Uh, it, I, I would probably say I, I prefer residential work. I um I don't know. I think the the cool thing about commercial is typically they're looking for something maybe a little more unique mm-hmm. because they're trying to make a a, a grand impression on yeah, someone. Yeah, statement piece. Where residential is kind of a lot of we get approached with all this cookie cutter BS. Yeah, like we were talking about the wall unit or the built the built in wall unit. Everyone's a white yeah. shaker built in. Um, commercial is not really looking for that. There is a lot of repeat kind of things, re, uh, repeated designs, but, uh, yeah, I mean the commercial things we've been approached with have been pretty unique. So yeah, definitely interesting. Maybe not the highest quality things like in terms of craftsmanship and uh, materials, but definitely unique and, and interesting. They both have their pluses. Yeah. And for different reasons than maybe you might expect. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about the residential work is actually getting to deal directly with the client. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And getting that that real satisfaction. Because with the commercial work, it's cool that you can just kind of drop it off. Yeah. We dropped but, off those Chase lounges and it was kind of like uh, it was a letdown, wasn't it? You know, usually we bring a piece into a client's home and they're they're everybody's oohing and on and <laughs> telling you how much they love it. And you get to see it in the space. And then we drop off these chase lounges on the loading dock. Yeah. Into like the freight <laughs> elevator on, you know, that's still attached to the side of the building outside. And it was like, Oh, well, that's it. I'm like this is kind of like let down. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't used to that. Mm-mm. Um, so that's why I would say if I had to choose, it would be the residential work because we really get to that. There's completion, yeah, with the residential work, and it just feels more personal. It did. I mean, we put a lot into it. Yeah. Even uh, even the commercial work, we put the same amount of ourselves into that work. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why there was kind of that emptiness. <laughs> like, yes. like hey, on the walkie talkie, sorry, send them up to the seventh floor. Yeah. They just came, dragged them away. Like, be careful with those. <laughs> they were gonna put them on the concrete upside down. Yeah. Oh my god. And they're like, no, no, the other way, the other way. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I definitely think a mixture is good. Mm-hmm. A mixture of everything is always good because it keeps you keeps you interested and. uh and all that good stuff. Hey, Nick's got a good question here. Nick's also one of our patrons. You skipped over Freddie. Oh, Freddie. <laughs> well, I see his name all over you. <laughs> Sorry, Freddie. Period Craftsman on Instagram. Do you answer the phone while in the shop working? Personally, I don't. I don't. Rob doesn't answer his phone ever. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I don't pick up the phone. Usually just doesn't hear it ringing. Yeah, I have the I have the ringers set either off or super low. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that wants to get in touch with me is going to be an old client, and they know the best way to get me is to email me. Mm-hmm. So Jeff fields every phone call. Yeah, I I do answer the phone. Um, you know, if it's a 
If I'm in the middle of something, I probably won't, depending on what I'm doing. Yeah. But if I have a second where I can take a phone call, I always try yeah. and take it. Yeah. We're pretty good about getting back to people, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Better than about 99.9999% of people out there. I'll agree with that. Even me. So, the answer is yes. All right, now we get to Nick. All right, I'll let you take it because you were excited about it. All right. Where and when does veneer fit into furniture making? I used to look at it as, quote, the easy way out or, quote, unquote, cheap. But watching John Peters make a few dressers using veneers changed my mind. I'm not sure if you guys ever use it, but what would be some instances where you would? I kind of had the same sentiment at, at one point. Um, but then realizing how much work it is mm-hmm. to actually use veneer, like veneer plywood is one thing. That's, it's a whole different animal. That's where I think our minds tend to go when goes we to look veneer at sheet stock. Yeah, where people just do that half-ass job and put some banding on it and screw it together. Right. It's not like building frame a frameless cabinet out of plywood. You know, veneer work is an art in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um. Situations where we, we, I mean, you've done some veneer work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I won't say I have, I've done some facsimiles, but, um, I won't claim to be, you know, have done veneer, um, situations where you would use it when you have a species that's unstable and when you have a species that's extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Can you think of any other reasons? Um, well for us. Not really. I mean, it's like a specialty kind of thing. It's yeah. an accent for us. So the times we'll use it, it would be if there's multiple doors and we're going to use a, like a figured wood for the panel. Um, and like I did that uh, quarter sawn butternut. Yeah, that was nice. Butternut and quarter sawn, for that matter, was really hard to get. Yep. And... There were like one or two boards and the guy cut it into veneers and I used it for all the, the drawer and doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that kind of speaks to both instances that you were talking about. Uh, but no large glue ups or anything. I've never done anything like that because everything I did, I just did with, you know, physical clamps and, and battens. What about for mica? <laughs> I, you know, if, if we got like this big commercial job um, and we w- didn't have any other work and it was uh, something we had to do to like pay our mortgages, I would do it. Um, yeah. I would probably, you know, I'd probably try and do it under a pseudonym or something like that. Not because I don't think that that work is, takes skill, but because it's, it's not what our brand, so to speak, is. Right. Yeah, it doesn't align with our ideals. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've done more for Micah than I care to admit. <laughs> um, but again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. Um, We're tr- we've we've carved out an identity for our company, and yeah. and that's what we have to do. You know, we're we're a niche, a niche, uh, company. We with two guys that that do a specific thing. Yeah, and you gotta like. If you want to do what you want to do, you have to do that. That's it. So can't try and please everybody. If you want to build fine furniture, you can't do for my work. 
No. Because you're going to become a guy that does Formica. Right. Um, you know, it's a tough decision to make because the work is few and far between. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're turning people away or and not getting jobs more often than you are getting them. But, you know, sacrifices. That's what Compromises. Yeah. Yeah, we don't go out to eat much. Who's this next guy we got this question from? Fred. Ah, Freddie, period, <laughs> craftsman. <laughs> if you guys don't follow Freddie, he, uh, man, this guy's a beast. He does yeah. all kinds of restoration work on these historic buildings up in, in Boston and Massachusetts, the whole area. That's the thing about social media. You, you find, I mean, it can get a bad rap because there are a lot of posers out there that are just, well, well you know, like kind of creators of content. Yeah. But... There's an amazing array of skilled folks out there doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, like Freddie. Yep. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the shop room, we got guys who work on rockets. <laughs> Tyler. <know>. Robots. <laughs> it's humbling. Yeah. It really is humbling. Yeah. Um, the stuff that people are into and, and good at. I mean, this guy is engineering rockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're worried about fitting a, a mortise and tenon. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I, did, yeah, I never what even read this question. Know? Do you work on multiple jobs in one day? Rarely. I mean, typically we get a job and it's, you know, start to finish. Yep. And, and that's how we operate. The only time we'll do something like that is, like, in the case of this, uh, this cherry piece, it's just sitting around here waiting. It's done up to the point where, uh, I mean, is we're waiting on the hinges. And right. then there are a couple of little things we have to do once the hinges are here. But um, so we've been just working around it. Yeah, only we we avoid doing it. Yeah. Um, only if they're usually a small job may get interspersed with a bigger job. Right, like a quick mantle or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we may fit in small tasks when you have that lull in the big job, mm-hmm. whether you're waiting for panels to glue up or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, no, we try and focus on one job and one job only. It's easier for us and keeps you focused. We may have like, you might be working on one small job and I'm working right, on another small job. Right. And then I pick up some of the work, you know, and you pick up some. We did. We kind of did that uh, the last couple of jobs. Because you more or less built those chases while I was working on those those Samir's thing, Samir's thing, yeah. yeah. And then when there was time in between, we both would help each other out. Yeah, the shop is too small to have too much going on at once, (laughs) and uh, it muddies the lines between the jobs, which it's not good for, um, like budgeting the hours. I feel like, yeah, Uh, because we have to. You know, keep in mind how much time we're spending on things. Exactly. All right. Is this next question from Freddie? No. Halden. Halden. We don't know the real identity of Halden. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to dive into that. Either they're one of our patrons, or they hacked into the live stream somehow. <laughs> you want to read it? Yeah. Uh, how do you combine your sanders? Do you start with Rotex and move to ETS one fifty five? Or ETS-153? Or do you rock the Rotex all the way? I've got the Rotex and thinking of getting the ETS. Which one would you recommend? The ETS-155 or the 153? Uh, if you don't know, the 150 is the size, so that's uh, 6 inch. And then the 5 and 3 are the the uh, 
millimeters of travel in the mm-hmm. orbit. So the five is a little coarser than the three. Well, we got the Rotex, and I i mean, I love the Rotex. And yeah. if, as long as I can work on my bench or on a table, I, I'll rock the Rotex. If I got to do angles, I'll reach for one of the smaller sanders. Yeah, the Rotex gets a little heavy when you got to like, sand edges and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I will go Rotex all the way. I do like to finish last though with the 153 because mm-hmm. we have uh, we've got a, a 153 and two uh, LTD fives, which are or, sorry, uh, one 125 is the 125 of the five inch. Yeah, think. we have 125 threes. We used um, to have the, the 150, but uh, Rich killed it. Yeah. <laughs> you spilled coffee on it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the big difference between the five and the three. I guess you get a more fine finish with the three. I don't know yeah. how much more. It's only a two millimeter orbit difference, but um, we love the Rotex for what it does. Yeah, I'd say grab a one fifty three, and then you know your your. Uh, I don't know what the orbit is on the Rotex on orbital mode. Oh yeah, I don't either. I had to guess I'd say it's probably five. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't think it's as fine as the three. I'd get an ETS one fifty three. Well, you know what sander I want next. I think all the listeners out there know too. <laughs> <laughs> Put it down in the comments. <laughs> what sander Rob wants. All right, what's next? What we got up next? We got another one from Freddie here. Uh, do, you buy, do you buy your lumber at two to three hundred board feet at a time to save money and not waste time? Well, we buy, we have to buy three hundred board feet from our supplier to get a delivery. Yeah, because they're out in Pennsylvania, and they, deep deep into Pennsylvania. They yeah, it's it's several hours driving. The wood comes on a semi trailer, and um, it's the best wood at the best price uh, available to us. Yeah, everybody always says, "Oh, did you try?" <laughs> Rex, did you try it? This stuff, I don't know. That place, the price is so fucking good and the wood is so good. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. It's like And we're buying in small we're buying in the smallest possible quantity for them. Yeah. They're selling by the thousands of board feet, yeah. I'd have to assume for the most part. They're supplying some of the places that you guys are getting wood. Yeah, one time we bought like almost eight hundred board feet. We was seven seventy when we did. No, I think we got more than that. That was just the five quarter. Yeah, that was the oak. But then we yeah. got four quarter also. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So we're buying three hundred board feet at a time. Sometimes, you know, we'll divide that up. We might get a hundred, hundred and fifty board feet of one species. Yep. And yeah, but the truck doesn't show up unless it's three hundred or more. Yeah. How how much room do you think we have in our little shed? Uh, a couple thousand board feet. Yeah, maybe like about two thousand. Yeah, yeah, we could probably store about two thousand. Mm-hmm. We've had that thing packed. Yeah, <laughs> no joke. <laughs> so, um, it does save us money and saves us time. Yep, because you know we have to, we have to take a trailer. The shop is behind the house. So there's no way a semi could get back here. Nope. So we drive a trailer out to the street, 
and load up the trailer and then drive the trailer back to the shop, which is about, you know, 200 feet. Mm -hmm. And then we put it in our shed. So yeah, even with a a thousand board foot delivery, you're talking an hour, yeah, hour and a half. Yeah. It's no big deal. No, we we take it off the truck in no time, actually. It's still faster than going to buy lumber. Yep. And yep. here's the thing. We don't have to sort through anything or find no. look for a good board that's all graded, FAS, yeah. it's all good. Um, I mean, rarely do we get a board that's not usable. Right. It it is. It's much faster, even the way we have to do it, than having to go out to a lumber yard. Yeah, I mean, the closest place for us to get wood is it's an hour round trip, half hour there, half hour back. Yeah, easy. Lots of time. You have to spend in there digging through all the junk. And waiting in line because there's only like two people in the whole place. Then you're paying about 75% more <laughs> yeah. or, or double even more or than even, yeah. yeah, than what we're paying. Yeah. Like we, they, last time we were there, they're getting like $9 for cherry. Yeah. We're paying I, less than $3 for cherry. I, th I think we buy it for probably the same price they're buying it or, or something. Yeah, or they're making some kind of insane profit. Yeah. Um. All right. So update from Parker. Was looking for a new saw on previous episode. And after searching for a new table saw, he lucked out, found a used saw stop PCS. 52-inch, in excellent condition, with the ICS mobile base and floating overarm dust collection. Forget this, two grand. Now he needs a dust collector. And uh, right now he's just using a shop vac. That's a no-no. Any suggestions, Parker is asking? Parker is P. Haynes on Instagram. I got a brand to tell you not to buy. I won't tell you what it is, but... <laughs> Um, is, that the, is that the one we're using <laughs> because of their, their stellar customer service? No, different one. <laughs> you could guess. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> they're, on, they're on our new blacklist. Yeah. Um, I would look at like, uh, I know a couple brands make them now, but like Oneida has a freestanding cyclone. Uh-huh. Um, that you can kind of like wheel around the shop. And That's what we have in Oneida. We have one of those super gorillas. Yeah. So this, I think, is called like a King Cobra or something. Maybe. Um, you can wheel it around the shop. You can hook it up to different tools. It's like a little top, you know, it's a little cyclone over top of a bucket. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's pretty small. And it's got to have good dust collection. The closer you can get a small dust collector to the tool, the better. Yeah. Um, those flex hoses and shit are terrible for dust collection. So mm -hmm. you want to have... Very short runs of flex hose um, if you want to have good dust collection. Yeah. And it's good for your health to have good dust collection. Yeah, like if you're going to get like a bagged dust collector, <clears throat> it's mm. really all the same. Um, just I'd just go to Harbor Freight or something at that point. Yeah. No sense in buying like a Powermatic. Or, it's a fan with a bag. <clears throat> right. Um, you're looking at the size of the impeller and the, the uh, horsepower of the motor. Those are the two. There's yeah. not much you can do to improve that design, you know. No, and then the 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 micron filtering of the bag medium itself. Yeah, you know, and those things are it's blowing shit into the shop. Oh yeah. So uh I mean I'd wish you luck, but it seems like you got luck if yeah. you found that. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Cuz I don't see used saw stops popping up no. really ever. Um that's man. a good price. I got a kick out of this stupid video they got um, 
suggested to me on YouTube the oh the, oh, the, the Laguna. Laguna versus Saw Stop. And the guy's only argument was that the Saw Stop was too expensive. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's like moving the fence on the Laguna and it's like rattling back and forth. Yeah. And it's made out of like inch and a half square. Clearly not in the same deal. category of no. tool. And we're not even talking about the safety feature. We're just talking about the machine itself. Right. It's a dust collection ability. It's usability. It's stableness. And everybody poo-poos the safety thing. I know. Which pisses know. me off because, you know what? There's always a chance. Every time you use a table saw, I don't care how long you've been doing it. That's right. There's always a chance that you could get cut. Yeah. doesn't matter how much attention you're paying. You get a piece of wood that has a lot of tension in it. Yep. You get distracted for a millisecond. Anything could happen. We've all heard of guys who get their arms sucked into joiners and shit. It mm -hmm. happens. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. So, um, right on, Parker. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, that's awesome. Better than the, than a Unisaw that we were telling you to look for. Yeah, yeah. And we have a Unisaw. It's oh, a, yeah. It's a good tool, but... But, hey, now you're protected. And you got a new newer saw. Who's this guy, Freddie? He's got another question for us. Did I say Freddy? Freddy. No, Freddy. <laughs> that was a misprint. This is Freddy. Do you hand plane edges before gluing? No, Freddy. We got to join him for that. Yeah, not typically. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say we've never done it. No. Um, you might get some squirrely reversing grain and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I have to clean something up, but no. Uh, but with that spiral head, I mean, the fat... It, uh, the one tool that's just so rock solid, the one machine, I'll say, that is old and reliable, that have never faltered, knock on wood, is, has been our jointer. Like some others. Yeah. Um, Freddie has this Powermatic tenoning machine. Uh -huh. Oh, man. It's like two heads like this. Yeah. And you pass the board through this way. That thing is so badass. <laughs> He's been showing he has a... Uh, oscillating uh, mortising machine. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like Domino took the idea and created the Domino. So it's a square mortise chisel, and it goes back and forth like this and, and makes a square Holy mortise. Cow. Yeah. So you don't have to, you know, drop it down, move the piece over. Yeah, it makes, yeah, you know, it oscillates, and it's super sweet. That's cool. Yeah. No, uh, of course, we uh, we joint all the edges. Yeah. In fact, we helped out a buddy came over. <laughs> right. Steve, yeah. With the glue up. Um, uh, so shockingly good glue up for having cut the edges with his... Uh, track saw. Track saw. A lot of guys do that, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, wasn't that bad. I mean, it was no. gappy. It was, I mean, not not to our standards. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I guess second best thing to have in a joiner. Yeah. <laughs> or a joiner plane. Yeah. Oh, man. We got one from Colin here, one of our uh, patrons, one of our newer patrons, another Australian guy. Yeah. He So Colin supplies a lot of the wood to H.T. Uh, Gordon. You ever heard of them? Uh, do they do those benches? Uh, I think they might make benches, but they make a lot of plain. Is it H.N.T. Gordon? Um, you guys know who I'm talking about just by mentioning the name, if I'm getting the H.N.T. Uh, yeah, H.N.T. Gordon. Um, man. They make some gorgeous stuff. Like, look at that. Oh, wow. Yeah. What kind of wood is that? Gidji. Oh, he was just telling of... me about that. It's like an, uh, a type of acacia. Aboriginal wood. Yeah. Um, 
He wants to know, how do you cheat doing dovetails if you're not doing them by hand? Yeah. Well, we have a Keller jig. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how we do all our dovetails, really. Yeah. Keller jig is basically a piece of phenolic resin that will cut uh, the pins on one side and the tails on the other with its respective bits. Yep. Uh, rides the bits ride on a, a a bearing as opposed to most of the the jig systems they use a collar mm-hmm. and a uh, hundred years ago when I first started the Keller jig came out and it was my very first jig and then I thought I was gonna be a professional woodworker I needed the lead jig with the 600 page manual. <laughs> And now we have the Keller jig again. It's basically just an unadjustable Lee or Porter cable or whatever, you know. You know, I'll tell you, this is this is what I learned. It's it gave me the the tightest, uh most uh hand cut looking dovetails. Mm-hmm. And it was the easiest to use. This this was my knock with the Lee jig. All that adjustability left all these room for air yeah and i found that the collar wasn't as accurate as a bearing and it would there would always be like one pin that had like a a gap in it that i'd have to fill with like a shaving of wood or something Hmm. like that no matter how hard i try the thing was i'd have to try and keep the, the router oriented the very same way, you know, without yeah, turning that it. collar isn't dead. Center. Right, right. Or Even the, with a centering uh, cone. I, I found that it, it, it would get a little oblique sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brass is soft. I'm not sure why yeah. that's the go to material for those things. Yeah. So that that's how we do it. Um, and I, I wouldn't say it. I mean, it's, they're not hand cut dovetails, but they're they're full through dovetails and they take plenty of time to make. I mean, yeah. We we get we get a good penny for our drawers. Um it's a it's a nice upcharge, but excuse me, like if I I'm I'm pretty much the the drawer guy here like a for a kitchen with 20 some odd drawers, it's almost a full week yeah. to, to to mill, mill mm. all the material cuz we use, you know, full Hard maple, nice tall sides. We don't really skimp there. Then I gotta set up, do all of the dovetails. You mean you, you don't know. edge glue like four pieces into like a three inch drawer? No. You know, and then. That's industry standard. You gotta plane and sand. And yep. of course, you gotta finish. And you gotta cut the, the you know, the, the notches in the back. And all. Well, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing like it. I mean, it's something that the clients really dig when you when you show them like these big drawers and then they see how heavy it is. Mm-hmm. Like the drawer is like 20 pounds. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it, it adds to the experience of the closing and opening, you know, almost yep. like a, um, I kind of liken it to. You know, like the way a, a door in a nice Mercedes or something shuts, it feels heavy. It goes, yeah, or like when you sound. close a two and a quarter inch front door instead of an inch and three eighths front right, door. Right, right. It has that substantial feeling to it. Yep. Um, so that's how we do it. It's 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 definitely um, 
I'm going to say in, in my experience, the next best thing to the hand cut, uh, dovetail, which, um, for me, if I'm doing something like that, I like to leave in all the maker's marks and all that stuff so that it, it really looks hand cut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the scribe lines and all that junk. I, I that's the way I like it. And, and most people, they look at it and they go, why do you see all these marks yeah. on it? <laughs> yeah, like hand-cut dovetails on a kitchen is a oh, yeah, you ex- can't, it's, it's excessive. It's um, like that's something you do when you have a few drawers on a dresser or something like that. Yeah, like as soon as they had machines that did it, they stopped cutting them by hand. Yeah. Really. You know what I mean? So that's our secret. <laughs> All right, here's, here's something from Freddie, and we kind of went over this in our uh, Patreon uh, uh, lecture series. Do you mark up material these days with how they've increased? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just us. We haven't really seen an increase. No, the stuff that we use hasn't gone up yet. Maybe slightly. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't even say anything more than 5%. Right. right. Um, which... You get fluctuations like that anyway. Yeah. I mean, we we see more fluctuation based on the woods that China's using than yeah. anything else. I mean, that was something we learned. I mean, everything that we're buying is coming from a few hundred miles away at most. Yeah. Sapili is the one thing that we buy that comes from uh, outside the continental United States. Like oak went up because they were using a lot of oak in China and cherry went down because they weren't using a lot of cherry in China. Right. And even the domestic demand for oak is a lot higher because it's used in, in uh, everybody's using flooring. it for flooring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we mark up material anyway. Not a lot. Handling. Yeah. Um, and to account for, you know, uh, the fact that we have to buy more than we may use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we haven't really had to increase the, the price uh, because of price increases in the material. No. You know, we I'll call for a for a price before we bid a big job. And I uh, haven't seen a crazy increase. All right. Well, this last... Oh, no. Next to last question, the penultimate question from Rich, also one of our patrons. Yeah. Rich is building a crawl space access door. Front face is decent quality plywood, but the grain is still showing after about three coats of good paint. (laughs) Oh, man. I lightly sanded with 180 after the third coat. I know you guys don't use paint much as a finish, but do you use a grain filler that you like? That's a good question. Um, I can't say that uh, I have any experience using grain fillers, but... Um, any, any good wood putty is going to be fine. Skim coat that puppy, sand it, paint it. You'll be good. Yeah. Even if he has to thin it down a little bit, huh? Yeah. If you use something that's, uh, I'm assuming cross space act, you're talking about inside. Uh, like I like the Elmer's, Mm -hmm. uh, that comes with the orange top. You can just throw some water in there, get it real thin, take a wide spackle knife and just, uh, coat it, sand it. Yeah, and you're golden then. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. Oh, so it's oak grain. Yeah, it's probably pretty deep. Yeah. I mean, you could just paint it like a couple more times and maybe it might <laughs> yeah. be filled in, but. Yeah, I like I like your suggestion there. 
gimmick with some thinned out Elmer's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a new container. That stuff is pretty, pretty um, spreadable. Yeah, it's nice when it comes out. It's like icing. Yeah, like the first time you open a thing of putty, it's it's the best it's gonna get. <laughs> That's right. Not gonna It'll get never any better be better than that. Better than that. Mm-hmm. Once you get one little dry spot, and it gets mixed in there somehow, you're yeah. you're screwed. Man, we got one more question. Who's this from? Birdie? <laughs> from Freddie, period craftsman. We want to thank Freddie for. And yeah. All kidding aside, he hit he hit me with most of these last week, and uh, it was too late. It, it must have been right before we started, so I didn't get a chance yeah. to because uh, uh, we love getting the questions. I mean, it's really what drives our podcast. So, um, and he's got good ones. Yeah, and, thank you, uh, Freddie. Yeah, and don't forget to check out Freddie's podcast. Yeah, Against the Green with Justin De Palma, and I think uh, Guy Dunlap is the third guy's name. Um, how many hours a day or week do you work in the shop? We, we work about 40. Yep. Out of the shop, it's untold. <laughs> I mean, when could you... Be, ha- could be, yeah, two a week, or it could be 20. It, and it also depends on, like, how you define work. Yeah. As, as small businessmen, it's, you know, the job is never far from our minds or, mm-hmm. or something we're doing. So we might be reading, we might be pricing, we might just... You looking for a design inspiration? Yeah, doing social media, uh, whatever. Yeah, so um, as a small business person, you're always on, mm-hmm. I would say. If you're awake, you're working. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that doesn't mean like we're slavishly working. We're no, just, I mean, hey, if, it, <laughs> if you don't like what you do, get another job. Yeah, we're, we're present in, in what we do at mm-hmm. all times, I think. So... Um, I never feel like, uh, that I'm overworking myself. Uh, there are some days where you're more tired than others, but it's, as Jeff said, we're lucky. Isn't the right word because we put so much effort into it that I I feel we've made a lot of our own luck, Mm -hmm. but, um, to be able to do this in today's climate of, you know, fast and disposable stuff, we really run against the grain and we're supporting two families. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we got, uh, I have uh, two questions from our buddy Manny. All right. So I'm seeing that we're not even at an hour. Oh, we spent two hours. I know. <laughs> we, we've already been, been doing this and talking and hearing our own voices for over Three hours now. Today. We got to do the Patreon show after this. Um, uh, this is from our buddy Manny Siriani. Two Manny mistakes on Instagram. What is one trick you have learned that changed the game for you? Oh God. Um. I can't, I don't know. Uh, a trick. I don't know if I'd call anything a trick that I've learned that would change the game. It, it's it's been a slow for me, accumulation of knowledge, you know, because I didn't have any mentors or anything like that. So I always had to learn by bumping my head against the wall. Yeah. Join the club. Um, so I really can't think of anything offhand that speaking of that cracked me up. John Peters put up a video. He was in the shop of, uh, me running the shaper and somebody commented, Oh wow. Yeah. He really learned a lot in woodworking school. Yeah. (laughs) 
what we're working for. <laughs> yeah. There isn't even one around here to go. Um, Guys like Freddie are lucky that they have North Bennett Street School up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I would say that the thing that I, I learned the most was not about woodworking, but more about my person, about my mindset and, and my being is that I would much rather, uh, you know, do my own thing and uh, take the burden of success and failure and all that, but be in creative control uh-huh. of, of my destiny. Because I think at, at the heart of it, I'm an artist in, to, you know, most uh, degrees. And working for other people and doing sort of like, um, you know, assembly line work, it's unfulfilling. It is. There, there was the camaraderie of working in a place where you have friends, but now I got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and we get to build best, cool shit. I get the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, before that, I, it was work by yourself and, you know, do what you want. Which could be exhausting, you know? It can, because just having the presence of another person is is yeah. good. Being able to commiserate and share, yeah. you know, the bad parts of the, of running a business. Yeah, it, there's something to that. Um, so that's what I learned. It was I I like being the captain of the of my own ship, and mm-hmm. that means you know sharing it with Jeff. So it's it's not like you know it's uh, your captain Bly. You, it's a it's a full on partnership. You're making deep literary references that you expect <laughs> people to get. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <on> a Christian. <laughs> I'd say one of the biggest ones for me is like that. Um, the. Uh, like stacking and measuring kind of thing where. You know, you're making a door and it needs to be 20 inches wide and you have your rails, your styles, and you stack them together and pull your tape to 20 on the outside and then read the inside oh, of the tape. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Hard to explain. I, I, We have like a little YouTube clip about it. That is a good one. Because um, it just translates into so many different operations in the shop mm-hmm. for a way to just reduce your math. And, and uh, you know, if you have two pieces that are 64th light, well, that adds up to a 32nd. Mm-hmm. And you might not... Always see that on the measuring, and you know, you hold your tape at a little bit of an angle, and it, you know, it skews your view. I remember when you bit when you did that video. Yeah, so I like that one. Um, and Manny actually has another question: Do you guys ever bump heads and have strong difference of opinions on projects? Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> we did a little bit at the beginning as we were when there were three of us here also, and we were just trying to find our feet, but yeah. Um, I think it, as time goes on, it's it's definitely been less and less, and we've learned to just go with the flow of yeah. Of, and I mean, truth is, we more or less agree on everything, and it's always not always, but it, it's so often six of one, half dozen of another. Yeah, the finish line is always the same. Yeah, so it's it, and it's just no big deal. <laughs> That's the, that's really the the end result. Yeah. You know what I mean. And it's a lot easier with two guys, especially when when one of the three has no uh, real opinion on anything. <laughs> no, I thought you were gonna say value. Well, that, yeah, no comment. Um, so yeah, it's it's easier. It's just it's just easier. 
It is. Um, it's like any relationship, you know, that they, they get better as you, as you go on. Um, because, well, I guess the healthy ones do. Well, yeah. yeah. The healthy ones do. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I think a lot of the answers are self evident too. Mm-hmm. So that it's, uh, within, you know, the uh, sphere of our work, the answers are, are pretty much there for everybody to see. Yep. Well, they emailed me back about the stuff. Oh, yeah. What'd they say? They said, uh, thanks. Was the box punctured? And they said, uh, it's just cosmetic, so it won't affect the function until we get to get it figured out. So that's right. cool. We had some some damage to our new power feeder. Yeah. Maybe they'll give us a little, they'll throw us a couple of T-shirts. Hats and, I know. <laughs> that's, that seems to be what the big companies think of us. Yeah. Uh, thank God for Montana. <laughs> you have catastrophic failure with your machine? Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> you got a couple weeks? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> well, what'd you think about the beer? I like it. Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's a uh, just a nice simple. Yeah, I think citrusy was you know they described. I think that's that's accurate. Yeah, it's got good bitterness, kind of that lemon peel kind mm-hmm. of bitterness. Yeah, not citrusy in a juice kind of way, but yeah, like you say, the the peel that kind of more um, bitter taste that the lemon peel might provide. Yep, um, I like everything I've tried from them from Ross. Um. I want to say, who was the S'mores beer from? That wasn't them? No, no. It had to, it was in one of those similar types of cans. The one that you liked? No. No, that was the waffle one. Waffle, like. yeah. The S'mores one was good. Yeah, which, the waffle, I forgot. I don't know who the hell made that. That, that was, uh, that was interesting. That was terrible. Yeah, well, you but you know, um, the week before last, when I brought in that Kona... That was the the first ever two thumbs down beer in our entire podcast history. Yeah. And we've had some okay beers. Not every beer. Can't say the Kona was undrinkable, but definitely. No, it was like, it was really like. uh, It was like masquerading as like a craft beer or something too. Which kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Right. I felt cheated. Mm -hmm. Came in like these little bottles trying to make it look like. You know, it was all crafty. They're just made out of melted down Budweiser bottles. <laughs> the ones that break when they fall off the assembly line. Like, yeah, melt these yeah. down. Send them to the longboard factory. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. <laughs> Where was it brewed again? Fort Collins, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> probably, it's probably like a spill-off from the Coors factory or something. It's uh, Budweiser, apparently. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yep. Now I really feel cheated. Yeah. At least it wasn't Coors Light. Yeah. Thank God for that. Well, right. that brings us to the end of another podcast. Um, we thank our gold-tier patrons. Yeah. Jerry Greenan, David Murphy, Manny Sirianni, Dustin Fair, Adam Pothast, David Shoemaker, and Colin Lai. And uh, as always, we'll have a link to the Tool of the Week, the uh, Micro Jig Zero Play yeah. lighter bar if down you, there. 
if you're making some kind of sled or anything like that, a jig in the shop, I would say that's based on the price and its performance. There's no other equivalent option. We tried no. all the like, HDPE doesn't work. No. The metal ones aren't great. The, the, uh, making one out of wood, it's always changing with, <laughs> um, yeah, it works great one day. It's jammed the next yeah, day. Yeah, It just saves a headache. Yeah. Um, if you would like to follow us on Patreon, we'll have a link down there too. We're doing these uh, live streams now. I guess we're going to try and do them either bi-monthly or quarterly. Yeah. Um, you know, these sort of learning uh, educational type things. We did the the uh, pricing and prefabrication protocol today, and we'll be planning the next one. Uh, we'll be a little more prepared technologically yeah, for the next yeah. one. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a learning curve to do a YouTube live with... Uh, the screen switching and and sharing the screen and stuff so we could easily plug in another monitor for next time oh yeah um we could even probably do dual laptops somehow yeah yeah uh also the american craftsman podcast glass oh yeah we still have uh i don't know maybe about 10 left yeah so you can find those on the website and you can have a, a beer with us while you listen to the podcast and uh yeah i think that's all we got thank you as as always, thank yeah. you. See you guys next week, episode Cheers. 33. Three next week. Yeah. Double three. Later on. Mm-hmm.